Amen. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. And to begin with, we'll just read uh, through verse 9. And uh, we're continuing uh, our studies about a sacrifice, but this is entitled The Loss of Gain. The Loss of Gain. I, in the past, I would always say the gain of loss. But uh, we're going to look at this. I think it's very, very important. This is a principle that we can live by. It is a law of God. You cannot escape it. You cannot deny it. So you might as well submit. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Uh, the loss of gain. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. Help us to understand the principle and the true intent, not just to go through the motions, not to be deceived or deceive ourselves, but to understand how to truly gain and how to lose what we've already gained that we might win Christ. We yield your spirit that he would do all the work. We put no confidence in the flesh. We pray that you'd speak to every heart and that it'd have an uh, impact on our life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A principle is a law that governs the creation of God. And if we're going to apply this principle in our life or see it come to fruition or the power of God uh, unleashed or released in our life through a principle, we have to do more than go through the motions. Very easy just to do the right thing, say the right thing, show up. But the principle becomes a reality when we have the right motive or the true intent of the principle. So you have this outward appearance, behavior, but then you have the spirit of the principle, the real character of the principle, which we must have the true intent. So some people go through the motions, uh, they give, why do you give? What are you doing when you give? Some people serve. Uh, some people pray. A good example of this is in Jesus' name. You know, we've studied this in detail, but a lot of people believe it's a kind of like a magic formula. If you just tack on in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer, God's obligated to hear your prayer. It's not true. You need to know the principle of why you're asking in Jesus' name that you only have the right to come to the Father 
because of the blood of Christ and because of the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And we are unworthy uh, in ourselves. So when you think about gaining the things we've gained in life and then the things that we have to lose, that we've already gained in order to win Christ, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Just because you lose something doesn't mean you're going to gain something. Now, I've heard a lot of people say this. Well, uh, something bad happened. I guess something really good's about to happen to you. That's not necessarily true. Just because you've lost something in your life or someone in your life, whatever it is, does not necessarily mean that you're going to win Christ or gain something else. So don't deceive yourself into thinking and justifying loss because uh, loss in, in this context is on purpose. And this loss is by premeditation. It's deliberate. And so I looked up this word. It's kind of interesting. I've never looked it up, and I've studied this for about four years. Uh, the word gain, basically, it's pecuniary. We don't use that word very much. Uh, and it means lucre. So it's money, monetary assets gained. And we usually equate lucre with filthy lucre. But lucre is not bad. It's basically money. It's a medium of exchange. It is an increase or an asset. So a lot of times, though, we think of lucre as bad, uh, some type of money or wealth obtained in some type of a distasteful or maybe in an impure way, like false religion. So gain is the lucre in your life. And in this context, Paul's talking about circumcision and the law versus being saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. So he, he had to lose all of his religious status, his religious power, his influence in society, and the money that he received as a result of rising to a high level in uh, his religion, which was, you know, the Old Testament law uh, under Moses. So isn't it interesting that a lot of people all over the world are very poor. They wear shoes with holes in them, sandals, but their churches are paved with gold. Something's not right. A uh, friend of mine told this story. It's pretty funny. True story, I think. Uh, he, was, he was raised in New Jersey. He may be watching this. But he, he was forced to go to Catholic school. And the nuns would always ask the children, you need to bring an offering. You need to bring money. You need to give money. You, you need to bring a lot of money. And he, he, said, uh, he said, one day it hit me. I, I went up to the nun, and I, I forget what her name is, sister something. But 
He said Jesus could raise the dead. He could cast out devils. He could cause the blind to see. He could work all these miracles. Isn't it funny that he can't solve that money problem? And uh, so then he would have to stand there. They'd slap his hands with the ruler. Uh, he could see through it. He, anybody can see through uh, somebody's in it for filthy lucre, to gain financially in, uh, in, in really an immoral way, uh, an unjust way. So gain in the context is Paul's education, religious status, doctrine, the power that that availed to him, and all the money and the resources that it availed to him. But it also, if you look at the general principle, it's anything that we have as an asset that would hinder us from winning Christ. Any type of asset. So it could be wealth, literal money, it could be your stock portfolio, uh, real estate investments, whatever it is, whatever you have, your, your, your possessions, your home, your vehicles, your furniture, your lands, whatever it may be, your business, the things that you have gained, pecuniary lucre. And if you're going to win Christ, then you have to lose some things. But I reiterate, God doesn't want you to lose things for the sake of losing it. And then you think, because I lost something, I'm going to get something else. It doesn't work that way. You have to know the principle. Why are you losing it? Should you lose it? What is the context of losing it? What is the pure motive of the intent of losing it? And what are you trying to, to get by losing it? So remember, repentance is not turning from sin. Repentance is turning to God from sin. So you want God more than you want sin. I think that's First uh, Thessalonians 1.9. I may be wrong on it. You want God more than you want sin. So you're living in sin, but God. So you want God and sin becomes less important. So you turn from it, you repent. So if you've gained certain things, it doesn't mean I'm just going to have this sacrificial altar and I'm going to give it all away. That isn't what God's saying. He's saying, if you want to win Christ, your desire and motive to win Christ far supersedes anything that you've gained so here's all the things you've gained, but Christ is here. Well, I want Christ more. Now, that may mean you lose everything. You may lose a lot. You may not lose very much. It depends on the situation. So all the assets that you've gained for yourself. What's most important? That's what God's asking. What's your priorities? Where, how do you, what think ye of Christ? Good. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Yeah. So Matthew 16, 26. 
you, if you gain the whole world, gain, but you lose your own soul, what does it profit a man? Nothing. I love what it says in Acts 16, 16, there were these masters who had a uh, prediction business. It was, it, they had this 1-800 number, it was called Call Witches in California. Uh, this was way back there. And uh, they were, it said they made a lot of gain by soothsaying. And they had this woman, a damsel that was devil possessed. And she had a spirit of divination and, and, and she could predict the future. And they were like a pimp to a uh, soothsayer. They made a lot of money off of her. And it said that they had much gain by this one. They were not willing to lose the gain to win Christ. Yeah. Now, is God saying you got to lose your house to win Christ? Probably not. I doubt it because you have to have somewhere to live. You know, a lot of people uh, get the wrong idea that if I can just start losing stuff, somehow I'll gain something else. There has to be a priority and a motive and an intention. Uh, I, forget, I don't remember the guy's name, my brother might, but when we went to a Bible college in Chicago, there was this one fella. He said, I'm going to sacrifice all for Christ. And he had uh, one navy blue suit, had a blue tie, he had a white shirt, and he had big old, what are those wingtips called? Big old ugly wingtip clodhoppers where the sole was that thick. And it was like lifting weights when you were, but he, he, he said, I'm going to live out of my car. I'm going to lose all. And he had a junker, you know, it, on Lake Michigan where the, you know, they salt the roads and very humid. It was, we call it a, a rust bucket or a cancer mobile, just falling apart. And he lived out of his car. And then he said, I'm going to spray paint, repent. So he, he literally, it was a real repent, repent mobile. So he, and uh, he might have won some people, I don't know. But he, he disgraced a lot of name of Christ too. Uh, because he, he misinterpreted, you don't, you don't lose your house to win Christ. You don't lose your car to win Christ. The things that are keeping you from winning Christ. And Paul said, number one, the law, circumcision, being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, I'm going to, I've gained that. I'm somebody. I have a lot of power. I have a lot of money. I have so much power, I can get legal documents to arrest Christians and put them to death. That's how much power I had. But he said, I'm going to lose that. Why? I want to win Christ. So he was brought from the top down to the bottom to where at the first, he wouldn't even receive by the apostles. They were afraid that he was a spy and he was going to arrest them and persecute them. They didn't trust him. And he had to work his way into earning the trust of the New Testament church. So he, he was at the top religiously. He said, I'm going to lose it so I can win Christ. But then what did he do? 
he received the doctrine of the New Testament church taught personally by the resurrected Christ for three years in the Arabian desert. He won Christ. But what did he have to do? He had to lose his assets that were contradicting winning Christ. James 4.13 says, Go to ye that say tomorrow we will buy and sell. And what does it say? Get gain. Get gain. Retail. Buy low, sell high. Uh, the devil's business. So Paul then, in the religious hierarchy of highly educated, highly influential, great, great power, he had to lose that. And when he decided to lose it with the right intent of the motive, the principle was set in order and the power of God came into effect and he learned more Bible than everybody else put together because he lost his religious clout. Is that a good word? Clout. He lost it on purpose. So, doesn't mean you have to lose all your money or lose your family or, or lose your... It, it, it depends upon your motive. Uh, why are you doing this? And notice, it's all a means to an end. I want to win Christ, so I'm willing to lose all that. I'm willing to lose what I've gained so that I may win Christ. So this word win, it's really interesting. It's only two times in the Bible, by the way. I, I thought that was interesting. It is the exact word of gaining lucre. You winning. So it's not a game, but it kind of is. It's a competition. Not against other people. It's a competition not against other religion or your family. It's a competition. Who's going to win the prize? Because he said, I will win Christ. And then he said this one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to forget the past, all that I've gained. And I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, we're looking for rewards. We're looking for trophies in heaven. So let's look at the famous passage, if you will, Romans 8, and uh, I really encourage you to know this, remember it, understand the doctrine and the uh, priority. And so if you were to ask the average Baptist, we'll pick on Baptists, what is the purpose of salvation? Why does God save people? You get probably a few answers. Some would say, so I don't have to go to hell. No, that's, the, that's not the right answer. Some would say, so I can go to heaven. That's the wrong answer. Those are fringe benefits of being saved. Why does God save us? Uh, you need to get your mind right to get the doctrine right. And if you understand this, then you'll see what you have gained that you need to lose so that you can fulfill the purpose of God saving you. Uh, it's very sad. A lot of people spend decades with the wrong idea. 
So let's look at Romans 8. This is a well-known passage. Look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So a lot of people misquote this and misclaim this, but if you're called according to the purpose of God, everything that happens to you will work for good. Amen. It didn't say it will be good when it happens, but whatever happens, God will work it for something good only for those who are called, what? According to His purpose. Amen. And it's not to go to heaven and not go to hell. What is the purpose? Look at verse 29. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So, look at verse 29. It tells us the reason that He saved us. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to do what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. So, the reason God saves us is to conform us into the image of Christ. That's why He saves us. So Paul knew there's no way I'm going to be conformed to the image of Christ if I'm still hanging on to circumcision, if I'm still caught up in the law, if I'm still caught up in my religious accomplishments and the power of society that I have and all the money that I've gained. I've got to get, get that. I have to lose that. And then what happened? He began to gain exponentially. So, how do you know if you ought to get it out of your life? Is it keeping you from becoming like Christ? That's it. How do you know if you ought to lose it and sacrifice it on the altar of the will of God for your life? Is it keeping you from becoming and being conformed to the image of God's Son. This is why He saves us. So, the persecutor of the church became the preacher of the doctrine of the church. Amen. And then He took it a step further. And, and you know, it says this in uh, Philippians 3. He says, I counted this loss, but then He said, I decide to count all things but loss. Not just assets, all things. And he said, I count them but dumb, refuse, that I may win Christ. So he understood. Now, Jeremiah, who was a prophet to the nations, who was known before he was formed in his mother's womb, by the sovereignty and foreknowledge of Almighty God. His ministry, he laid the foundation. He showed us the way. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 1.10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. So, there were 
four things he had to do before he could do two things. Four negative things before he could do two good things. And what was it? Destruction. Something had to be eliminated. Something had to be rooted up, pulled down, plucked up, destroyed, thrown down. Then he said, you can build and to plant. And what we see is in the new modern fake Christianity with the false gospel is all these churches are preaching, just start building something. Yeah, you're okay. Just start planting some, you know, this is charismatic, isn't it? Plant some seeds of faith. And by the way, write that check in my name. And uh, you're going to just be blessed exponentially. Uh, I just had this vision. Yeah. And uh, no, what does it say? You're going to have to get some stuff out of your life Amen. on any construction site. You're going to have to level it. You may have to tear a building down. You may have to bulldoze some trees. You might have to push some boulders out of the way. Then you can build and plant. So, And that's why it's a principle all throughout Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And then he says, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But you can't fish for men till you do what precedes that, which is to take up your cross and deny yourself. And there's no way you can be a soul winner when you're selfish. Right. you got to deny yourself first, then fish for men. So if you look at all the things that happened, Abraham lost a lot. Uh, Samson even. Jephthah. You just go Noah. John the Baptist, Peter, John, Paul, all the great uh, forefathers in the Word of God. They gained a lot, but they gained because they lost. But the losing was deliberate. It was deliberate. It was on purpose with a true motive and a pure intent so that the principle of the law would be set into order in their life that if you lose what is keeping you from reaching the goal, which is to win Christ, and you lose it, you're going to start gaining. You're going to gain much. You're going to gain exponentially. So you can't say, I know what I'll do. I'm just going to lose some stuff. Surely God will bless that. No. You lose what's keeping you from winning Christ. Now, you know, we like to talk about sometimes our, some of us, our great achievements and our great sacrifices. I remember at Roloffs, they would have, uh, the girls would stand up and they'd give their, their testimony and then my life, it's very impressive. And then, you know, they'd let the anchor home, and, and we knew a lot of those guys. And my brother would say, uh, he's about to give a testimony, watch this. Now, it wasn't, wasn't a testimony, and, and then it turned into bragamonies. So they would, they'd say, oh, if you knew me before I came to the Lord, I hated my mother. I tried to stab her with a pair of scissors, uh, tried to burn my dad's church down. 
And this all happened, by the way. One guy did stab his mom. One guy burned his dad's church. And uh, I was a drug addict, and uh, I would drink 100% rubbing alcohol. I was a total addict. And, and then they'd just go on this spill, and then they go, then I got saved, praise the Lord. And, and then we'd always say, the devil's waiting on you at that gate out there. And not only that, he's in your bedroom. Uh, he's, it was a bragamony. And the people who know the truth, we all have great stories of things we changed in our life. Maybe we moved or uh, made a big sacrificial decision, repented of some things. Maybe people, uh, maybe quit our job whatever it is and we need to be careful and get our motive right it's not a bragamony you're only supposed to lose what's keeping you from winning christ lose what's keeping you from winning christ and if your motive's right you're going to start gaining and paul set the example you will forget the past. Press on toward the mark of the prize. And so really, this is a, it's a competition. I, I don't really like using that word, but it is winning, that's in the Bible. A prize, that's in the Bible. If, if you look at a football team, let's say, that wants to win, they don't care about any player. They want to win. They don't care about any agenda. They have no personal affiliations. If they have to fire or bench their quarterback, if they think it'll help them win, they'll do it. Why? They want to win. It's not personal. You know, get rid of that guy. Somebody has some sense. But you notice that the, the owners and the coaches who have a hidden agenda it's too personal and they won't bench anybody because they get paid too much or they're popular. But you look at the great coaches. If a guy fumbles, he gets benched. Meaning you're bent, I don't care how much money, you're benched. And if he does it a few times, they'll cut him. They, why? They want to win, but not the Cowboys. The Cowboys play favorites. And do they win? Not lately. Not in how many years? 30. 30 years. They don't want to win. If you want to win, you'll fire the coach. You'll fire anybody. You want to win. So if, if uh, you know, we think, I gave up this for God. I let go of that. I changed my life. Amen. But what's the real reason? Because I want to be conformed to the image of his son. This was something I gained, I needed to lose, so that I could win Christ, and I want to strive for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, think about it. If your motive's right and pure with intent, this principle will be set in order. So look what Paul did, and I'm through. He gave up circumcision in the law. To turn to the truth of Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And you're saved by grace through faith. And what happened? 
He got more doctrine than everybody else put together. But you know all those Pharisees and Sadducees who had a lot to lose? They're very famous, very rich, upstanding in society. They couldn't repent and they didn't learn anything and it says they were blinded to the truth. So, it's all a matter of priority and motive. All right, let's stand. I'd encourage you to really consider, is it keeping you from becoming more like Christ?